So I want to launch this podcast by doing something a little bit different. I want to tell you all a story about the long years that I've been in real estate. So in 2014, maybe the early 2015, the property market was at the beginning of a boom and it started moving. I don't know if you remember this, Sam, but it started to kick and there was a bit of energy and we saw sort of 10, 20% price growth. And <clears throat> all of a sudden, people, economists and people started coming out saying, you know, the market's running hot, affordability is a big issue, we're going to see a crash, uh, it's, it's a property bubble, um, and it's going to crash anytime now. You should anticipate 20 30%, maybe 50% uh, decrease in prices. And for me, as a new person in property, that made me very, very nervous. And that nervous energy was felt by more than just myself. It was kind of everywhere. Um, and it was interesting because it scared a lot of people from jumping in the, into the property market. It, it certainly made me pump my brakes and look at things a little bit more carefully. However, after that, the property market pumped for another sort of two and a half years, nearly three years. It jumped by another twenty. It jumped twenty percent annually. So each each subsequent year, jumped by twenty percent, and that taught me a crazy lesson about not necessarily listening to public opinion or or economists or you know the so called property experts. Do you, do you remember that time, Sam? I do. I actually do, and I remember people telling me at the time, "Don't buy now. Don't buy now. It's going to pop. It's going to pop." And I'm like. When is it going to pop? You said it was going to pop six months ago. It's not popping. It's actually still popping. You know what I mean? So um, I, I remember that vividly in, in 2014, 2013, 2015, around those few years, sales were going through the roof. Um, they were my lucrative years as well. So, um, and, and it never really popped. Like it cooled off like it always does, but it actually never popped. So, so yeah, so is that is that what they're saying now? It's going to pop again. Is it? No, I just I feel like it's going to happen soon. I feel like like already people are talking. You know, is the boom over? I think. John, I think. No, yes. If you want to get Dom, in your experience, or both of you, actually, funnily enough, I get heaps of questions from my clients as well, saying like. If it does crash, or if you know, if we fall into a trough, or or, the, or it dies off, in your experiences, when the market has crashed, even though it may it may not have, uh, as what people talk about, what actually happens in that in that period? Like what? Not what should you do, but what can you expect in a in a lull period? So. Over to you, Sam. What 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 has been your experience as the, the cooling off or the most the biggest? pop that you've seen or the biggest downturn that you t that you felt to experience or so what was the market like um, i just saw i just i just saw prices um they went stagnant uh, they became stagnant so things actually did dip but they didn't heavily dip where you've lost you know you know hundreds of thousands of dollars i i, I did see that there was a correction period where mm. it, it actually made everyone you know, you know, stop sweating. Um, maybe gave people that were wanting to enter the market to get the confidence again to start looking and to buy again. But to be honest, Louis, like 
you know, it, it's it's hype, and 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 when things did cool off, they just come back up again. It, it waits for a, for for a time, and things just creep back up again. And I think that's generally across all investment markets, but I think with property. Um, it's just never heavily crashed unless it's 1990, 90, 90, 91, where interest rates were 20%. Um, but I feel like in my experience, something always happens for a reason to cool off. So, you know, um, you know, we had that GFC, uh, then we had COVID. These are, these are, these are really big, significant uh, market, um, you know, um, changes. And I feel like properties do affect it, but, it only takes some time again and things start to creep back up and people get hungry again. So it's funny the the cooling off stage for me, I haven't really experienced anything bad as you're mm. saying, you know, COVID coming out of 2018, you know, 2018, 2019, the market slowed down a lot. There was some price discounting properties weren't turning over as quickly. There was less people around, but it's funny because when things are stagnant, no one wants to buy. Yeah. And even, even though you know that this is a great market, no one wants to listen to you. Yeah. Because when it's rising, you're like, hey, it's rising. You should be buying before it gets too hot. Yeah. And then when it's at the top of the market, no one really recognizes it's a top unless you're really in the game. And then once it starts coming down and it's nearing the bottom, people don't want to buy because they're scared. Yeah. So there's so much fear in either the rise or the decline. There's always fear in the market, and it's about managing that fear, really. Um, yeah. Do you guys know, think it's going to pop anytime soon, or is the market's going to come off? Um, look, I, I honestly think things have to cool off because they are racing at the moment. But what does pop really mean? What mm. that, uh, you know, like what does it really mean? Things have to slow down. They eventually will. But right now, it's just too—it's—it's it, it's just too racy for things to just be a big, big handbrake. Because I don't think that's mm. just going to happen overnight. Well, yeah, like any any economic market, you have like peaks and troughs, as I sort of said before, and correction phases and whatnot. Obviously, it's going to slow down. But I was just this morning, I was looking just at a graph, a general graph over the past say thirty years of what the markets looked like, and. It just seems to like it's pretty straightforward. It just seems to go yeah up correction phase, up correction phase, up correction phase. There's not this real stagnant downhill turn, lose all your money, then you know, then you, you you're gone. It just seems like when you when people have gotten in, they've you know reaped the benefits of getting in. It might have been within two years, it might have been a quick turnaround, or it might have been within five years. But I don't think there's any. To, to what you were saying to me, I don't think there's any bad way to be buying. Uh, obviously, we're going to be in a correction phase maybe soon, but if we're not in run, one right now. But I don't think there's a bad time to buy, if that makes sense. I I agree with you. Like this isn't this isn't like cryptocurrency or shares where you know the CEO sleeps with the secretary and then the value of the shares half. You know, your property, someone wants to live in it. Someone wants to buy it. There's always, you know, that nice street, that nice tree, that nice, uh, the proximity to the beach or proximity to Woody's, whatever. Someone always desires that because we all need a roof over our head, but you don't need, mm. you know, new AirPods. And Sam needs new AirPods because he put his in the wash today, but that's a story <laughs> for another time. They're, they're in a bowl of rice. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, but, but, but back to the point where you're saying, you know, the economists now are saying that the boom is slowing down and, and just a bit of facts and figures. So the reason why they're saying it's slowing down and, and why we might anticipate a slowing down of growth so it's still going to grow, but not going to grow as fast as it has been. It's probably not going to have the same record months is because um, we've noticed that first home buyers, there's been less in the market. That's from the ABS. We've noticed that uh, wage growth isn't keeping up with the price of property. And just very fundamentally, what that means to the listeners out there, banks have a simple calculator. They say that you can earn or you can borrow between six and seven times your earnings. So if you've got hundred thousand dollars, you can go and get you know between six and seven hundred thousand dollars worth of borrowing. Um, if wage, wages don't grow, then you can't keep on lending that amount. But the other thing is more supply, and what we anticipated was that you know the property market starts to move, and a lot more people are interested in selling their property. So more supply coming into the market with the same level of demand means that you know prices aren't going to grow as fast. However, I don't think this is going to stay forever, and I actually really do believe the boom is going to continue. I just I want to put it out there that if we're in a boom um, without any international demand, our borders are completely closed, what is going to happen to the housing market once our borders reopen and we start creating these bubbles with certain countries and Australia becomes the next hotspot to be? I just, it's, it, the market at the moment is running between us and ourselves without any other players. And I'm talking about overseas players. So what happens when our borders reopen, students come back into the country, things are going to rise again. Things aren't going to mm. fall off. They're just going to get hotter. So mm. if you're worried about not buying in a boom, that, that's okay. It could be a legitimate reason. You don't want to buy in a hype. I get that. But when is what what right moment are you are you waiting for you to buy like it doesn't make sense to me when my clients say to me not ready to buy dude when are you wanting to buy if not now what are you waiting for yeah yeah i think that <clears throat> i i thought of this other day a good I don't know, a good projection maybe to what it might be like when the borders reopen is that when the when uh, internally australia's borders open Queensland became this, you know, this golden place because of how they handled COVID. Like they all, they, you know, they, they seemed like they kept everything open. Obviously, probably New South Wales handled it maybe second best. Victoria, obviously, the, the, had the most detrimental effect uh, with their lockdown. But everything, internally, Queensland became really hot. Everyone wanted to go to Queensland. Everyone had the attempts or, you know, the, the desire to move to Queensland. They handled, they handled it brilliantly. They, you know, we can move on. Uh, but I think that now, if you look at the other countries in the world, the way Australia handled it and the way we've bounced back from it, you can only think good things of them, you know, having the the dream of moving to Australia now. If we go into another pandemic or something else happens, you know, they've, they've handled it, you know, if not probably on par with the best of them in the world. I completely agree. And let me just pause for a second. Sam's washing machine or something's going off. Do you want to go turn that off? So- One second. <laughs> um, but yeah, Louis, I think that that's the perfect anecdote, actually, because it's funny you say that. What we had a look at the most recent data for migration, and Queensland received everybody. 
Mm. Everybody left Melbourne. Everybody left New South uh, New South Wales, and everybody was going to Brisbane to the Gold Coast. Mm. It had its largest migrationary numbers ever, and the property prices have been starting to really increase. So that's a natural demand just mm. internally. And I think you've said it perfectly that once Australian borders open up again, what the hell is going to happen to property prices? You've got students coming in. They want apartments to rent. And some of them have very rich parents that want to buy. Migra- migrants coming into the country, they're talking about lifting the, 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 the cap on migrants to get it back to normal rates. Um, they all want apartments. They all want affordability. They, they want Australian property. And then you've got tourism. So tourism is interesting because they suck up all of the demand for apartments and houses and stuff through Airbnb, bookings.com. And what that actually means is that the vacancy rate will is it's so the vacancy rate is currently what one point between one and three percent, but that's going to become near zero because all of these uh, properties are going to get sucked back up. Rents are going to mm. increase, and if rents increase and the yield goes up to four five percent for a Sydney property, it's going to make an incredible investment. Mm. And it's funny you say that about this tourism because. Um, an article was released this morning saying that the borders are going to open sooner than we know because there's actual there's actually a target that's being set by the government um, for the total amount of vaccinations that need to happen before they do so, and they've they've admittedly saying that they can't keep the borders closed forever. So this isn't a three four years away borders. I I, I generally think it's going to happen within the next twelve months. Um, so. So if domestically we're going to slow down, there's going to be another gush and there's going to be mm. something else that's going to heat up, heat, heat up the market. Um, and I feel like that's going to be the next influx of, of, of demand to come through. Mm. Another gush, technical term. What are we word? Yeah, we'll use gush in our next, our next sales pitch. <laughs> Is that a bad word? No, I like it. I like it. It's gushing. The property market's gushing. Yeah. I was talking to one of Tiffy's uh, one of Tiffy's clients. He's a young man and he's from Colombia and he and he, he came here about five years ago. And he's looking to buy, you know, just pick up some house land packages and he's looking to do it really quickly. But he said something pretty funny to me, which now I sort of resonate with and realize that there's a there's a different mentality to the to say what we have domestically in Australia. He, I said to him, I said, yeah, I tried to tell him that, like, tried to tell him the stats of why, and, and you know, and maybe a, not a, a regional, maybe, you know, 40 minute town outside of a CBD, it's really cheap house and land package is going to grow. And he, he just, he didn't really have to be convinced or, or told to because he, he said, he goes, Australians don't believe that their country's just going to keep growing. He said, which I, he, he gets because, you know, we're a baby population in regards to, you know, other, you know, other, really populous countries out there but he said you guys are just going to keep growing and he said you just you guys are just people just can't wrap their heads around in australia they, they don't think that the, the population is going to stay the same he said yes it is uh, uh, effectively slow but he said you guys are just going to keep growing and growing and growing because people are going to keep coming so what that does to to i guess property prices is uh, I guess inevitable, but he—it's weird how we we can't think in you know to us as Australia that we can't see it happening, but it is going to happen. I mean, the stats are there. Well, I see it happen as 
you know, a Melbourneian living in Sydney where I see everything mm. so dense in art. Then I go to Melbourne for the weekend and think, wow, Melbourne's actually pretty spacious. It's pretty spread out, you know. Mm. We've got so much undeveloped land. So we've got we've got we've got farms thirty kilometers out from Melbourne CBD. There is no farms mm. 30 kilometers out of Sydney, and that's good context. You've got 70, 80 kilometers now. So, and we're not far off in terms of population numbers anyway. Mm. Um, so, so definitely there's room for growth. Um, and, you know, Melbourne is going to be the next hotspot. Um, and it's going to, you know, it's going to make a lot of other capital cities redundant with the way um, it's going to perform the next three to five years. And that's due to its population growth. I, I really love that analogy. Sorry to cut you off, Sam, but I do love that analogy. Like one, the fact that the value play Melbourne, thirty kilometers, you can't find farms in Sydney at thirty k's out. Um, and then, and then the second one, what you're what you're just saying, uh, Louis, about the Australian economy, the Australian people and country. It's so young that many, many people can't conceptualize what life will be like in 50 or 100 years from now. I know this is getting big, but even 10 or 20 years is too hard for people to conceptualize. And when you guys are both very well-traveled, you've been all over the world and you've been to older, more established cities and locations and you can see the density, you can see that how cities evolve and how they change and the prices over there are crazy. Yeah. Like, Manhattan, London, you know, don't get me started on all the Chinese huge cities that are over there. Like it's just crazy and people can't accept that Sydney prices will keep on going and the fact mm. that they're exponential, but they are. It's as simple as that. Mm. And the government always always uh, supports sustainable growth as well. Like the government's always going to put, I mean, obviously after the GFC and, and we learn they learn well we learn from mistakes i guess but i think the government's always or our government especially uh, is always going to put defense mechanisms in, uh, in play not to see massive crashes anymore or not to see huge downturns they're going to put i think they're going to put in they put incentives to boost it and that worked you know the home buyers grants stamp duty concessions and whatnot and that boosted it they, they might tailor off the concessions to to let it correct but there's always our government's always going to try and push our economy in i guess the correct direction you know it's not going to let it have complete crashes like other countries in the world where you, you know you wake up the next day and the bank is you, you know you no longer have any cash you know or it's been it's been halved in price because of our because of cash rates and whatnot but i think that in buying in australia and investing within australia i think it's if the government's got if the government's projecting sustainable growth or that's what they want, well then that's what you you, you know you're probably ninety nine percent going to get. But it's also a function of where we play as a as a business, right? And how mm. we try to invest. Um, if you have a look at all the stimulus, it's incentivizing so that the federal budget's put out a new stimulus that you know there's ten thousand new applications for five percent deposits, but you've got to be a certain income level, blah 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 allowing new first-home buyers to come in again for the super and then single parents earning less than $125,000 can get in with a 2% deposit. So mm -hmm. what the government's doing is stimulating the bottom part of the market and it, it puts a, a, natural, um, a natural flaw on how low a price can be because people always want to enter and if you're playing around the entry-level prices, 
they're not going to halve. They're not going to drop by 20% because there's always someone ready to pick it up because it's the most amount of affordability. If you're playing at the top part of the market where you're mm-hmm. buying a a $4 million place or a you know a $10 million place, that can conceivably come down 3 or $4 million. You know what I mean? Because that's a lot of discretionary spending and there's way less people that can afford 5 or $10 million. Whereas if you're buying a four hundred and fifty, a six hundred thousand, a seven hundred thousand dollar property, there's always someone behind you that wants to buy that property, and not to mention the government is incentivizing thirty thousand people to go and buy that type of property. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm. It's like yeah. Mm. I mean, it's always the I guess the saying you know low risk, low reward, but I think that you can pick up some really nice rewards in, in for for little to I wouldn't say no risk, but little risk if you do it right. And what do you guys think is gonna happen over the next twelve months? Um my prediction is is the market's gonna keep running until about towards the end of the year and then we'll see some correction corrections happening um Q one, Q two of next year or or mainly Q one. Um, and make people feel good about getting back in the market and don't worry, it's still affordable, et cetera, et cetera. What kind of correction do you – so you're saying it's going to run to the end of the year and then what kind, what's a correction in your mind? I think a correction is going to an auction and still buying. Um, uh, there's still a level of healthy competition but still buying at, um, at a reasonable price without paying what we're seeing now, three to 500K above reserve. Oh, right. So, so just to be clear, your correction is coming is paying a normal price for a property, not it being twenty percent above. Well, well, I just think there's going to be, well, whatever normal is, but I just think it's going to be less less hyped. Um, okay. Of running. Some people think corrections like fifteen percent discount. No, no. Oh, you're not going to get you're not get discounts. There's going to be no dis- discounted prices. You're going to be buying at whatever the market is is telling you they're worth, but there's going to be less pressure and less heat. That's the correction. Mm. Okay. What about you, Louis? What do you think is happening in 12 months? Over the next 12 months? Uh, mm, it's interesting. I think I'll, I'll probably, I'll, if I repeat Sam, uh, yeah, I'm just going to repeat Sam, but... I believe the same as him. It's funny though because if you look at the if you look at what you and Pete predicted at the start of COVID, you two were probably the only people that had confidence in the market, you know. And so if you look back at that correction, everyone thought the world was going to end last February or last March. And with the right, you know, we we bounced back. Okay, so I can't I can't see why uh, a correction phase is in the negatives at all. If not, as what Sam said, I think that there'll be less. That there, there won't be as many buyers out there pushing prices exponentially, but there's still going to be definitely competition when come late this year. So just to uh, uh, summarize, if I've heard you both correctly, you think there's going to be price growth until the end of the year, and then there's mm-hmm. going to be more price growth, but slower growth next year. Slower yeah, growth, think, not not a price decline. I think it stables out a little bit. When, when I say stables when out you, a bit, I think – I think that areas, like pocket areas, will still run. And the media, as I've said before, the media can manipulate 
uh, you know, statistics pretty easily. They can say, oh, there's only been a, you know, a less than a, a 0.5% growth over the past three months, blah, 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 blah. But, you know, what areas are they analyzing or what areas they're looking at? I think that there's still going to be some areas and pockets of growth that they can grow uh, as predicted, that 6 to 8% over the next sort of year on year. But you have to be very particular with those pockets because they're right that you have to leave a bit of room to grow. But as we've talked about before, like the urban sprawl, if the if the areas that have grown already that they stabilize, then there's only and they stabilize and they become you know not as hot anymore. Well, then the affordability gets pushed out again. Okay, so we're still seeing some opportunities in the market. I agree with both of you. I think price growth is going to slow down. We're still mm. good, but I also think that as you've just said, there's going to be pockets where some markets are going to go crazy others are going to mm. slow down and i really really do believe that the affordability part of the market is going to run the hardest so anything of uh less than a million i'd say less than sort of nine hundred thousand dollars over the next 24 months is going to run very very hard and i think at the end of the year it, it's it's a lot of the more expensive stuff will start to slow down mm. uh, peter and i always talk about i think apartments are going to be the next thing to run and that's going to be a really interesting thing when that happens, especially especially when, you know, migra- migration, tourism, and all that kind of stuff kicks mm. back in. Mm. Well, look at Canberra at the moment. Over the past year, the apartment stats, and believe it, outrun the the housing stats. So awesome. Well, this is a this is a new format. You know, a bit of a chat around the table. Sam Sam laughs about it and calls it the view, the view for wealthy. Um, I hope you all have liked it, uh, the people that are listening out there that are watching as well. We're going to be mm. doing more of these more conversational tones and maybe inviting a fourth person to the chat. Um, and as always, thank you two fellas. Is there any sort of closing remarks or thoughts? We'll probably get Whoopi Goldberg <laughs> in the view next. Ellen's looking for a new gig. I heard she was quitting. <laughs> Anyway. Awesome. Okay. We'll, we'll, we'll see you guys uh, soon. All of you out there, any questions, thoughts, opinions, send it to us. If you want to hear what we have to say or if you want to hear any topics, uh, hear us talk about some certain topics, send them through. And um, be well, keep investing, and we'll catch you all soon.